0: chapter four of the road to understanding this is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org the road to understanding by Eleanor H. Porter chapter four nest building it is so much easier to say than to do But nothing in the experience of either burke denby or of helen his wife had demonstrated this fact for them quite unprepared therefore and with confident courage they proceeded to pass from the saying to the doing true in the uncompromising sunlight of the next morning the world did look a bit larger a shade less easily conquerable and a distinctly unpleasant feeling of helplessness assailed both husband and wife yet with a gay now we'll go house hunting right away so as to save paying here from helen and an adoring you darling but it's a burning shame from burke the two sallied forth after the late hotel breakfast the matter of selecting the new home was not a difficult one at first they decided at once that if they could not have an apartment in the Reddington chambers They would prefer a house for Burke said as for being packed away like sardines in one of those Abominable little cheap flat houses. I won't So a house they looked for at the start and very soon they found what Helen said was a love of a place a Pretty little cottage with a tiny lawn and a flower bed And it's so lucky. It's for rent she exulted for it's just what we want isn't it dearie yes, but why burke don't you like it i think it's a dear of course it isn't like your father's house but we can't expect that expect that great scott helen we can't expect this cried the man why burke what do you mean it'll cost too much dear in this neighborhood we can't afford it oh that'll be all right i'll economize somewhere else come it says the key is next door yes but helen dearest i know we can't but helen dearest was already halfway up the adjoining walk and burke with a despairing glance at her radiant eager face followed her there was indeed no other course open to him as he knew unless he chose to make a scene on the public thoroughfare and burke denby did not like scenes the house was found to be as attractive inside as it was out and helen's progress from room to room was a series of delighted exclamations she was just turning to go upstairs when her husband's third desperate expostulation brought her feet and her tongue to a pause helen darling i tell you we can't he was exclaiming it's out of the question burke her lips began to quiver and when you know how much i want it sweetheart don't please make it any harder for me he begged I'd give you a dozen houses like this if I could, and you know it. But we can't afford even this one. The rent is forty dollars. I heard her tell you when she gave you the key. Never mind. We can economize other ways. But, Helen, I only get sixty all told. We can't pay forty for rent. Oh, but, Burke, that leaves twenty. And we can do a lot on twenty. Just as if what we ate would cost us that. I don't care for meat anyhow much we'll cut that out and i hate grapefruit and olives they cost a lot mrs allen was always having them and the distraught husband interrupted with an impatient gesture grapefruit and olives indeed and as if food were all of it where are our clothes and coal and doctor's bills and i don't know what all coming from why great scott helen i smoke half that in a week sometimes uh, not that i shall now of course he added hastily but honestly dearie we simply can't do it now come be a good girl and let's go on we're simply wasting time here helen convinced at last tossed him the key with a teary all right take it back then i shan't i know i should c cry right before her The next minute, at sight of the abject woe and dismay on her husband's face, she flung herself upon him with a burst of sobs. "'There, there, Burke, here I am, so soon making a fuss, because we can't afford things. But I won't any more. Truly, I won't. I was a mean, horrid old thing. Yes, I was,' she reiterated in answer to his indignant denial. "'Come, let's go quick,' she exclaimed, pulling herself away and lifting her head superbly. I don't want the old place anyhow truly i don't and with a dazzling smile she reached out her hand and tripped enticingly ahead of him toward the door while the man bewildered but enthralled by this extraordinary leap from fretful stubbornness to gay docility hurried after her with an incoherent jumble of rapturous adjectives such was mr and mrs burke denby's first experience of home hunting The second though different in detail was similar in disappointment and so also were the third and fourth experiences not indeed until the weary distracted pair had spent three days in time all their patience and most of their good nature did they finally arrive at a decision and then their selection alas proved to be one of the despised tiny flats in which according to the unhappy young bridegroom they were destined to be packed like sardines after all it had been the elegant mirror in the parlor and the just grand tiled and tessellated entrance that had been the determining factors in the decision for burke thankful that at last something within reach of his pocketbook had been found to bring a sparkle to his beloved's eyes had stifled his own horror at the tawdry cheapness of it all and had given a consent that was not without a measure of relief, born of the three long days of weary, well-nigh hopeless search. Dalton, like most manufacturing towns of fifteen or twenty thousand souls, had all the diversity of a much larger place. There was West Hill, which were the pillared and porticoed residences of the pretentious and the pretending, set in painfully new, wide-sweeping flower-bordered lawns, and there was valley street a double line of ramshackle wooden buildings with broken steps and shutterless windows where a blade of grass was a stranger and the flower unknown save for perhaps a sickly geranium on a tenement window-sill there was old dalton with its winding tree-shaded streets clambering all over the slope of elm hill where old colonial mansions with an air of aloofness borrowed quite possibly from their occupants seemed ever to be withdrawing farther and farther away from the plebeian noise and publicity. There was, of course, the mill district, where were the smoke-belching chimneys and great black buildings which meant the town's bread and butter. And there were the adjoining streets of workmen's houses, fitted to give a sensitive soul the horrors. So seemingly endless was the repetition of covered stoop and dormer window, always exactly the same as far as I could reach. There was too the bustling, asphalted, brick blocked business center, and there were numerous streets of simple, pretty cottages and substantial residences, among which with growing frequency, there were beginning to appear the tall, many windowed apartment houses, ranging all the way from the exclusive, expensive Reddington chambers, down to the flimsy structures like the one whose tawdry ornamentation had caught the fancy of Burke Denby's village-bred wife. To Burke Denby himself, late of Denby House, perhaps the most aloof of all the old colonials, the place was a nightmare of horror. But because his wife's eyes had glistened, and because his wife's lips had carolled a joyous Oh, Burke, I'd love this place, darling, and because, most important of all, if it must be confessed, the rent was only twenty dollars a month he had uttered a grim all right we'll take it and the selection of the home was accomplished not until they were on the way to the hotel that night did there come to the young husband the full realizing sense that housekeeping meant furniture oh of course i knew it did he groaned half laughingly after his first despairing ejaculation but i just didn't think that's all our furniture at home we'd always had but of course it does have to be bought at first of course and i didn't think either laughed helen you see we'd always had our furniture too i guess but then it'll be grand to buy it i love new things burke denby frowned buy it that's all right if we had the money to pay heaven only knows how much it'll cost i don't but burke you've got some money haven't you you took a big roll out of your pocket last night he gave her a scornful glance big roll indeed how far do you suppose that would go toward furnishing a home of course i've got some money a little left from my allowance but that doesn't mean i've got enough to furnish a home then let's give up housekeeping and board proposed helen then we won't have to buy any furniture and i think i'd like it better anyhow and i know you would after you've sampled my cooking she finished laughingly but her husband did not smile the frown only deepened as he ejaculated board not much helen we couldn't board at a decent place twould cost too much and as for the cheap variety great scott helen i wonder if you think i'd stand for that Heaven knows we'll be enough gossiped about as it is without our planting ourselves right under the noses of half the tabby cats in town for them to oh and ah and mmm every time we turn around or don't turn around. No, ma'am, Helen, we'll shut ourselves up somewhere within four walls we can call home. Even if we have to furnish it with only two chairs and a bed and a kitchen stove, it'll be ours and we'll be where we won't be stared at. "'Helen laughed lightly. "'Dear, dear Burke, how you do run on just as if one minded a little staring. "'I rather like it myself. "'If I know my clothes and my back hair are all right. "'Ugh, Helen! "'Well, I do,' she laughed, up tilting her chin. "'It makes one feel so sort of important. "'But I won't say bored again. "'Never, unless you begin to scold at my cooking.' "'She finished with an arch glance.' As if I could do that, cried the man promptly, again the adoring husband. I shall love everything you do, just because it's you that do it. The only trouble will be, you won't get enough to eat, because I shall want to eat it all. You darling, aren't you the best ever, she cooed, giving his arm a surreptitious squeeze. But really, you know, I'm going to be a bang-up cook. I've got a cookbook. So soon? Where did you get that? yesterday while you went into stoddard's for that house-key i saw one in the window next door and i went in and bought it twas two dollars so it ought to be a good one and that makes me think it took all the money i had most in my purse so i'm afraid i'll have to have some more dear why of course of course you mustn't go without money a minute and the young husband with all the alacrity of a naturally generous nature supplemented by the embarrassment of this new experience of being asked for money by the girl he loved plunged his hand into his pocket and crowded two bills into her unresisting fingers there and i won't be so careless again dear i don't ever mean you to have to ask for money sweetheart oh thank you she murmured tucking the bills into her little handbag i shan't need any more for ever so long i'm sure i'm going to be economical now you know of course you are You're going to be a little brick i know and we won't mind anything if we're only together she breathed there won't be anything to mind he answered fervently with an ardent glance that would have been a kiss had it not been for the annoying presence of a few score of dalton's other inhabitants on the street together with themselves the next minute they reached the hotel at nine o'clock the following morning mr and mrs burke denby sallied forth To buy the furniture for their tenement, as Helen called it, until her husband's annoyed remonstrances changed the word to apartment. Burke Denby learned many things during the next few hours. He learned first that tables and chairs and beds and stoves, really decent ones, that a fellow could endure the sight of, cost a prodigious amount of money. But to offset this, and to make life really worth the living, after all it seemed that one might buy a quantity sufficient for one's needs, and pay for them in instalments, week by week. This idea, while not wholly satisfactory, seemed the only way of stretching their limited means to cover their many needs, and after some hesitation it was adopted. There remained then only the matter of selection, and it was just here that Burke Denby learned something else he learned that two people otherwise apparently in perfect accord could disagree most violently over the shape of a chair or the shade of a rug indeed he would not have believed it possible that such elements of soul torture could lie in a mere matter of color or texture and how any one with eyes and sensibilities could wish to select for one's daily companions such a mass of gingerbread decoration and glaring colors as seemed to meet the fancy of his wife he could not understand neither could he understand why all his selections and preferences were promptly dubbed dingy and homely nor why nothing that he liked pleased her at all as such was certainly the case however he came to express these preferences less and less frequently and in the end he always bought what she wanted particularly as the price on her choice was nearly always lower than the one on his, which was an argument in its favor that he found it hard to refute. Tractable as he was to quality, however, he did have to draw a sharp line as to quantity. For Helen, with the cheerful slogan, Why, it's only twenty-five cents a week more, Burke, seemed not to realize that there was a limit even to the number of those one might spend on sixty dollars a month. True At the beginning she did remind him that they could eat less till they got the things paid for and that her clothes were All new anyhow being a bride so but she had not said that again Perhaps because she saw the salesman turn his back to laugh and perhaps because she was a little frightened at the look on her husband's face At all events when Burke did at last insist that they had bought quite enough She acquiesced with some measure of grace Burke himself when the shopping was finished drew a sigh of relief yet with an inward shudder at the recollection of certain things marked sold to burke denby oh well he comforted himself helen's happy and that's the main thing and i shan't see them much i'm away days and asleep nights nor did it occur to him that this was not the usual attitude of a supposedly proud bridegroom Toward his new little nest of a home getting settled in the little dale street apartment was so far as burke was concerned a mere matter of moving from the hotel and dumping the contents of his trunk into his new chiffonier and closet true helen looking tired and flurried and not nearly so pretty as usual brought to him some borrowed tools together with innumerable curtains and rods and nails and hooks that simply must be put up, she said, before she could do a thing. But Burke, after a half-hearted trial, during which he mashed his thumb and bored three holes in wrong places, flew into a passion of irritability and bade her get the janitor, who owned the darn things, to do the job, and to pay him what he asked. T'would be worth it, no matter what it was." With a very hasty kiss, then Burke banged out of the house and headed for the Denby Iron Works. It was not alone the curtains or the offending hammer that was wrong with Burke Denby that morning. The time had come when he must not only meet his fellow employees and take his place among them, but he must face his father. And he was dreading yet longing to see his father. He had not seen him since he bade him good night and went upstairs to his own room the month before to write that farewell note. Once since, coming back from his wedding trip, he had been tempted to leave town and never see his father again, until he should have made for himself the name and the money that he was going to make. Then he would come back and cry, Behold, this is I, your son, and this is Helen, my wife, who, you see, has not dragged me down. He would not, of course, talk like that. But he would show them he would this had been when he first learned from Brett of the allowance-cutting and of his father's implacable anger Then had come the better braver decision He would stay where he was he would make the name and the money right here under his father's very eyes It would be harder of course, but there would then be all the more glory in the winning Besides to leave now would look like defeat would make one seem almost a quitter, and his father hated quitters. He would like to show his father. He would show his father, and he would show him right here, and had not Helen, his dear wife, said that she would aid him, as if he could help winning out under those circumstances. It was with thoughts such as these that he went now to meet his father. Especially was he thinking of Helen, dear Helen, poor Helen. Struggling back there with those abominable hooks and curtains, and he had been such a brute to snap her up so crossly He would not do it again, and it was only that he was dreading this first meeting with his father After that it would be easier There would not be anything then only just to keep steadily going Till he'd made good he and Helen But now father would be proud to see how finely he was taking it with chin up and shoulders back therefore burke denby walked into his father's office well father he began with cheery briskness then instantly voice and manner changed as he took a hurried step forward dad what is it are you ill so absorbed had burke denby been over the part he himself was playing in this little drama of denby and son that he had given no thought as to the probable looks or actions of any other member of the cast he was quite unprepared, therefore, for the change in the man he now saw before him-the pallor, the shrunken cheeks, the stooped shoulders, the unmistakable something that made the usually erect, debonair man look suddenly worn and old. Dad, you are ill! exclaimed Burke in dismay. John Denby got to his feet at once. He even smiled and held out his hand, and yet Burke, who took the hand, felt suddenly that there were uncounted miles of space between them ah burke how are you no i'm not ill at all and you are you well er oh yes oh yes very well very well that's good i'm glad there was a brief pause a torrent of words swept to the tip of the younger man's tongue but nothing found voice except another faltering er yes very well which burke had not meant to say at all there was a second brief pause then john denby sat down you'll find brett in his office you've come to work i dare say he observed as he turned to the letters on his desk "Uh, yes stammered the young man the next moment he found himself alone white and shaken the other side of his father's door to work oh yes he had come to work but he had come first to talk there were a whole lot of things he had meant to say to his father First, of course, there would have had to been something in the nature of an apology or the like to patch up the quarrel. And then he would tell him how he was going to make good, he and Helen. After that, they could get down to one of their old-time chats. They always had been chums, he and Dad, and they hadn't had a talk in four weeks. Why, for three weeks, he'd been saving up a story, a dandy story, that Dad would appreciate. And there were other things, serious things, that—and here already he had seen his father— and then it was over and he had not said a word nothing of what he had meant to say he believed he would go back with an angry gesture burke denby turned and extended his hand halfway toward the closed door then with an impatient shrug he whirled about and strode toward the door marked j a brett general manager if young denby had obeyed his first impulse and re-entered his father's office He would have found the man with his head bowed on the desk, his arms outflung. John Denby, too, was white and shaken. He, too, had been dreading this meeting and longing for it, that it might be over. There was now, however, on his part, no feelings of chagrin and impotence because of things that had not been said. There was only a shuddering relief that things had not been said, that he had been able to carry it straight through as he had planned. That he had not shown his boy how much he cared he was glad that his pride had been equal to the strain that he had not weakly succumbed at the first glimpse of his son's face the first touch of his son's hand as he had so feared that he would do and he had not succumbed though he had almost gone down before the quick terror and affectionate dismay that had leaped into his son's voice and eyes at sight of his own changed appearance Why could not he keep those abominable portions of his anatomy from being so wretchedly tell-tale? But he had remembered in time. Did the boy think, then, that a mere word of sympathy now could balance the scale against so base a disregard of everything loyal and filial a month ago? Then he would show that it could not, and he had shown it. What if he did know now even better than he had known it all these last miserable four weeks? that his whole world had lain in his boy's hand, that his whole life had been bounded by his boy's smile, his whole soul immersed in his boy's future? What if he did know that all the power and wealth and fame of name that he had won were as the dust in his fingers, if he might not pass them on to his son? He was not going to let Burke know this, indeed, no. Burke had made his own bed; He should lie in it. Deliberately he had chosen to cast aside the love and companionship of a devoted father at the beck of an almost unknown girl's hand. Should the father then offer again the once scorned love and companionship? Had he no pride, no proper sense of simple right and justice, no self-respect even? It was thus and by arguments such as these that John Denby had lashed himself into the state of apparently cool, courteous indifference that had finally carried him successfully through the interview just closed. For a long time John Denby sat motionless, his arms outflung across the letters that might have meant so much, but that did mean so little to him now. Then, slowly, he raised his head and fixed sombre, longing eyes on the door that had so recently closed behind his son. The boy was in there with Brett now, his boy. He was being told that his wages for the present were to be $15 a week, and that he was expected to live within his income, that the wages were really very liberal considering his probable value to the company at the first. He would begin at the bottom, as had been planned years ago but with this difference he would be promoted now only when he had earned it he would have been pushed rapidly ahead to the top had matters been as they once were now he must demonstrate and prove his ability all this brett was telling burke now poor burke brett was so harsh so uncompromising as if it weren't tough enough to live On a paltry $15 a week without John Denby sighed and rose to his feet aimlessly he fidgeted about the spacious well-appointed office twice he turned toward the door as if to leave the room once he reached a hesitating hand toward the push-button on this desk then determinedly he sat down and picked up one of his letters Brett was right it was the best way the only way and it was well indeed that brett had been delegated to do the telling if it had been himself now shucks if it had been himself the boy would only have had to look his reproach and his wages would have been doubled on the spot fifteen dollars a week Burke, why the boy could not well then he need not have been so foolish so headstrong so heartily disregardful of his father's wishes He had brought it upon himself entirely, entirely. Whereupon, with an angry exclamation, John Denby shifted about in his hand the letter which for three minutes he had been holding before his eyes upside down. Chapter Four.